on air. What we need to think through is how we continue to show progress, how we show the extent of progress in the time frame, but also being really honest where we are having some supply challenges or, or delivery challenges, but not allowing that to stop progress. So not allowing perfection to get in the way of progress because the progress becomes really important given that it won't be a linear transition. This is On Air by ANZ Institutional. We bring you the latest market-leading analysis and thought leadership from more than 30 global markets, giving you the information you and your business needs to thrive. Welcome all to the latest On Air. With us today, we have Kayleen Gulich, the Chief Executive Officer at the Western Australian Treasury Corporation. Hello, Kayleen. Morning. With her, we have Bronwyn Corbett, an Executive Director of Sustainable Finance at ANZ Institutional. Good morning, Bronwyn. Morning, Shane. A few weeks ago, the WATC secured a $1.9 billion 10-year green bond first for the state. ANZ acted as Joint Sustainability Coordinator and Joint Manager on the deal today. We're hoping to chat about the bond, what it means for the market, what it means for each party. Kayleen, maybe we'll start with you. Can you tell us, please, um, maybe a little bit about the bond, the preparation, the outcome, and, and how it was received? Yep. The bond is the culmination of what's been a really long journey for WATC on behalf of Western Australia. So we identified uh, some time ago, as did most of our peers, that sustainable finance and certainly use of proceeds issuance was becoming a really big trend in our, our markets, but increasingly a means of communicating with the market on what your 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 program stood for and what you were actually funding for. And we identified that Western Australia was behind the eight ball in terms of both the marketing effort in how we were communicating the breadth of activities that the state was undertaking across both environmental, social and governance. And that meant that to come to the market directly with a use of proceeds bond would risk it not being able to be viewed legitimately by our investors and not really tie in with what the state was seeking to achieve. So the bond was the end point. Working backwards to about three years ago, we started on a, a quite a wide whole of state information piece where we built up a, a large depository of information about the activities that were underway already in Western Australia, the policy and political environment that were leading to those activities and what those activities were seeking to achieve. And we broke it really clearly into environmental, social and governance because at the heart of what governments do, it's ESG outcomes on behalf of their community. And governments are constantly weighing up the social outcome with the environmental within a governance framework that's very transparent and very accountable in our Australian jurisdictions. So our ESG information pack really is at the heart of what we've, we've delivered on through the Green Bond, which was the foundation piece of here's what we do as a jurisdiction. And how did that work influence the framework that was put together for the bond? So having done the, the information pack, we felt we were in a position to have really mature conversations with our investors and with our, our industry partners. And that then led us to the point where we could actually develop the framework. And the framework becomes quite a technical piece of work that uh, gives you the international con compliance, looks to the ICMA principles, um, 
has a second party opinion, which provides that robustness and that that transparency that investors are expecting to see, but really builds on that broader information pack. And we've done our framework and our second party opinion to be as broad as possible, in part because we, we may want to develop a, a more sustainable program over time, which we both are green and sustainable, but mostly because we want the communication, the, the information we've put out to support not just the labelled issuance, but our broader program which goes back to that idea that governments produce environmental, social and governance commitments on behalf of their people. So we've got our, our information pack and our foundation. We've got our framework that sits on top of that. We've got the second party opinion, um, a very thorough and favourable second party opinion. And then we have the bond roadshow and the bond itself. So the bond at 1.9 billion was uh, heavily subscribed, a lot of really positive interest from both domestic and offshore investors, interest from names we haven't seen for a long time, and interest from names that are, are both green and deep green, which means that this, the breadth of story we were able to tell through that roadshow and all the supporting information really did support, I think, a deepening of an understanding of what the West Australian economy is and what the West Australian government is doing to progress good environmental outcomes. Yes, Kayleen, and we, uh, ANZ, as Joint Sustainability Coordinator alongside UBS, helps with that structuring of the framework, which has been developed, as Kayleen mentioned, in alignment with the ICMA Green Bond Principles, Social Bond Principles and Sustainability Bond Principles. And the work that went into that development of that framework and the second party opinion was really valued by the investors. Um, it, it came out in the questions. There was, um, there was good recognition of that work that had gone in the framework and the asset pool uh, behind within the framework um, was clearly able to link back into the, the the planning that Western Australian government has done for the past few years and and leading into that. So it was quite it felt quite seamless like the 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 discussion we had there and they were really focused on sort of what are the targets, what are the plans, what is the strategy for Western Australian government and and how is the government engaging with the industry to achieve those uh, emission reduction targets, for example. Perhaps, Kayleen, you'd like to speak to a bit of that. Yeah, we, we recognised early on it was really important for us to tell the whole of West Australian story, albeit the funding we were raising was on behalf of government, but our investors are increasingly not distinguishing who the issuer is. They're looking at the impact at a jurisdictional or a landscape level. So we we acknowledged that we, we actually had to understand what our industry was doing, but how does that play out with that transition towards a low emission story? So coming up with identifying how that looked from a, a whole estate became a really important piece and having a narrative that was very honest about it, but actually showed the genuine alignment between the state government, industry and progression towards really ambitious targets became really important. And being able to point out how our mining sector have a really critical role, not just in the extraction of rare earth and minerals on that contribute to the decarbonisation infrastructure activities in particular, but in themselves using their technology, their ability, their balance sheets and the size and scale of their businesses to be contributing to low carbon emission technologies, no carbon emission infrastructure, energy, transport, modes of business and in particular the next big scale technologies that are going to be absolutely essential at a global level to achieving net zero targets. So we're really keen when we came up with our, our asset pool to have assets that would genuinely progress to come 
that showed that progress and assets that were transformational. And it was, a, it was a, quite a conscious decision. We also wanted a, a reasonably small number of assets because of the reporting obligation that comes with them. And there is administration, administrative overhead in in providing that next level of detail on these assets, but looking for assets that were transformational, that was sizable, was scale, and led to a more aligned and consistent story. And I think the assets we ended up with in our pool do that almost uniquely um, at this point in time. Mm -hmm. The decarbonisation in the energy system, supporting the electrified transport system, and supporting the desalination for the water resilience. They're, they're very tangible, very sizable, and we'll be able to demonstrate good progress against those ones. So we undertook quite an extensive roadshow, both domestically and offshore into both Asia and Europe, and really sought to meet with both existing and emerging and sceptical investors in, as part of telling our story. And we had some really great questions and feedback. So all that culminated that we launched the bond um, just after midday on the Wednesday, uh, obviously allowing for data, uh, key data to clear, clear markets earlier that morning. And we had a really strong response. So the book build was really positive on that first day. And it allowed us to sit back and actually think through how we were going to manage the demand that we're starting to see, knowing we also had committed to keep the, the deal open overnight to allow our offshore investors to come in. So in talking with our JLMs, uh, we came up with the option to reset our initial price guidance and a step that hadn't been taken for a, a large number of years from my understanding. So we had initially had an IPG of 55 to 59 we reset that to 53 to 55 and provided market the, the transparency of the fact we intended to print 1.9 billion. And I, I hope that the investors saw that with the confidence that we'd, we'd left the IPG um, to, the, to the right where they had previously been priced at the 55 and provide guidance that we were printing 1.9, which allowed for them to get a feel for the type of scaling that would actually be undertaken in the book. Uh, and then the book continued to build overnight, and we ended up with just on just on three times over, um, just over six billion in bids within that revised price guidance, which I think is a real strength of interest that we we were seeing coming out of both domestic and offshore investors. Mm, yeah, and it was such a great result, Kayleen. And the, I think the work that you put into the roadshow, so covering Australia one week and then splitting out to cover Asia and. Uh, Europe and UK was really important because you actually got some really great uh, commitments through big tickets across Asia. There's roughly three quarters and uh, covering the rest co across uh, Europe and Asia and America. So really, really great result there and strong interest from asset managers and of about 60% and banks, 30%. So really great diversification um, sets you up for future issuance if you would like to tap the line down the track and look to um, continue issuing in the green and or social format going forward so well done congratulations on that now we're really pleased with the the breadth of names we had in the book uh, but we've been really pleased with the feedback post the deal because we wanted to do this from a really genuine position that helped inform 
and have conversations with our investors. And I think we've been able to tick that off. And the deal is a great outcome and the the support and the names we had in that. But more broadly, the feedback is that we were able to add to the informed understanding of Western Australia and Australia's economy. We're able to contribute to an understanding of what the transition starts to look like. We're able to be really honest about the parts we don't know yet, but we're working towards and how we're going about that. And that seems to have resonated really well, even for those who didn't participate in the deal. That's exactly what came out in the discussions uh, with our invest with the investors, and and actually was I found the the discussions really interesting because it really brought out like much broader issues thinking about um, the transition for the national economy and what does that mean for governments and revenue sources going forward, and um, so what does that mean for supply chain and supply constraints and things going forward. So um, the discussion just about some projects that the Western Australian government are doing is, you know, it really uh, gives a lot of thought about how we're as a country approaching the transition. Yeah, you make a really good point there, Bronwyn. Kayleigh, what do you think the deal means for kind of the long-term, the future plans for WATC and how it might impact how the, the market approaches these things in the future? From our perspective, our intent is to support the green bond as we would our other benchmark lines. We have a, a reasonably small refinancing program at the moment. Um, so part of it is is supporting all of our lines and liquidity and turnover in all of our lines. So we expect the green bond to be tapped through both reverse inquiry and syndicated taps over the next couple of years to approximately $5 billion. That will mean that it's quite liquid and it's tradable um, but similar to the bonds on either side of it from that perspective. The the question in is what is the next use of proceeds bond we issue and when do we do that? So that's something that we're, we're thinking through over the next 12 months. It certainly won't be in the next 12 months while we allow this bond to, to settle down. But I think the, the approach to our investors, the communication, the information we're providing becomes really important. And that's that's the takeaway from me that we need to be continually up in our game in terms of the types of information and the story we're able to tell for investors who otherwise either don't have line of sight or don't quite understand some of the nuances in our economy. Our lithium extraction is a, another great example. We have a, a, a dig, and, um, dig and ship type lithium environment. A lot of other lithium suppliers around the world are heavily reliant on water extraction methodologies. So even lithium, which is such an essential um, in, uh, mineral into the, the global economy, our extraction of that is a more energy and water efficient method. So you've got these sort of elements of our story that's only when you're talking to the investors that you realise you need to pull out and expand on to allow for that insight. And so that's one of my key takeaways is, is how we continue to tell the West Australian and the Australian story particularly for our offshore investors so they understand what it actually – it understands what we understand is going on in our economy and we understand where our economy and our industries need to move to over time. Kayleen, just on that, what about the sectoral emissions reduction strategies you're working on with within government? Could you perhaps expand on that a bit in that context? I think that's quite important for – um, for how WA government is approaching the transition. So the WA government's committed to net zero by 2050, as have most governments um, develop in developed countries now. And most of our industries have also committed to net zero by 2050. But the task now is working out how we all get there. 
and how we get there, every, given everyone's at a different starting point, have different drivers and different technologies that will assist with the transition. So the state's very mindful that we don't at the moment have interim targets. And part of what we're doing through these sexual emissions, emission strategies is doing that bottom-up work to work out what it, what is a realistic whilst ambitious interim targets that actually captures the momentum of our our industries towards net zero. So the sexual emission strategies are working across eight of our, our largest industry partners. So you've got transport, agriculture, mining, energy, the, the, um, the ones you'd expect to see in there, working out what those industries are already doing around their own re carbon reduction. A lot of these industries have drivers from their own shareholders, stakeholders, market partners, investors that are, are seeing them really look at their own supply chain and work out how they can be reducing their emissions footprints, what will happen when the Commonwealth safeguard measure comes in and how that interplays with a lot of these industries as, as current high emitters, and then what sort of technologies and activities are already occurring through the toolkits available. That will give us a feel for where progress is already being made and will then give us a feel for what is the, the challenge to progress towards net zero and um, for 2050 and the time frame to do it in. And those those strategies will be released at this stage by the end of this year. And that will allow the government then to build that from a bottom up into what is a realistic target for the state. Mm. And I think that's really important as, as Western Australia and other states come out with similar um, initiatives and progress to for the finance industry, Shane. So the capital is a huge part of this story, the transition and and how banks and investors are approaching this. So it's really critical to have that open dialogue and that transparency around where everyone's at in the transition because it's not going to be linear by any means. It will be lumpy, um, but and but it's our role as, as capital providers to be to be supporting our clients with the transition. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's definitely not going to be linear. And I think that's going to be one of our challenges. Uh, we are all racing to the same end goal, needing exactly the same materials, the same resources and the same skill set uh, at a global level. And we want to obviously accommodate that. Uh, but how to how to make progress in what's going to be a really crowded field and what's the role of state governments of financing mechanisms such as what we've done and roles as such as the banks, as you talked to there, Bronwyn. So... I think at the end of it, momentum is gaining. What we need to then think through is how we continue to show progress, how we show the extent of progress and the time frame to give confidence that we're building that momentum, but also being really honest where we are having some supply challenges or, or delivery challenges, but not allowing that to stop progress. So progress, not perfection, is I think going to be really important at the, the whole of Australian level not allowing perfection to get in the way of progress because the progress becomes really important given that it won't be a linear transition. Helen, you've done some work around social finance. Can you tell us a little bit about what's been happening there? When we've come up with our asset pool uh, and in the, the case studies we provided as part of the roadshow to our investors, we're really clear that where there was a social co-benefit, we've called that out. Now, the, the pool itself is green, but Going back to that theme of environmental and social going hand in hand, a lot of our projects have got overlays of policy decisions our government's taken that will support uptake or engagement or utilisation of our assets. And a great example is our rail system. So the government's signature transport project at the moment is something called MetroNet. It's a very large expansion of the, the um 
transport system. So it's about a 40% increase in the rail kilometres in, in the Perth metropolitan area. And there's other components to that project around reducing at, at grade crossings for community safety, um, new stations to include increased utilisation on the, the network and, and examples like that. But what's really key is the government last year, as part of their budget process, put in an increased subsidy to support uh, public transport utilisation. So previously, Western Australia metro area had worked on a nine zone system where the further out of the city, the more you paid. What the government did is collapse that down to two zones. So for the price of a two zone ticket, which with the um, electronic recharge mechanism is about $4.10, you can travel the breadth of the West Australian public, Perth public transport system. And so that becomes a really important base component of supporting consumers actually choosing rail. And so you've got this expanded rail system using low carbon energy, given we we're phasing coal out of our electricity system, with incentives of actually getting people onto the system at a low cost. And so we've got examples like that across a lot of our assets in our green pool, which really starts to build on that sustainability element that we're trying to achieve. Bronwyn, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the relationship between WTC and ANZ, how that's developed and uh, how it's reached the point that it's at now. Thanks, Shane. As I mentioned, Watsi's had a long relationship with ANZ as helping with bond issuance over the years. And we started talking, Kayleen, I think, quite a few years ago around um, the, the strategy and, and sustainable finance and providing support and um, insight, market insight and, in, and bringing um keeping abreast of what's happening in the global sustainable finance industry, drawing on our experience across the sector. And so really um, helping and then um, in, as part of the transaction, uh, starting off assisting WOTSI, um through the framework development, providing, I guess, the insight around what is best practice in the market, what are the things to be aware of, which um, the, the, the regulations, the principles and guidelines um, because that all of that um, is leading to gives just greater clarity about what's happening in the sustainable finance market and and drivers for what constitutes a really really good framework when you bring it to market, and so that relationship um, developed. Uh, we um, helped with that, and as I mentioned earlier, this, this second party opinion development, and then into um, and into the roadshow. So and as a joint lead manager on the transaction. Yeah, we're always really mindful. We we have a very small team at WATC. Uh, so when I say small, it's, it's pretty much been two people working on this, um, punching well above their weight and doing a, a great job on behalf of the state. So looking and, and relying on our market partners has been really important. And ANZ's always been really proactive and really generous with its thoughts and its, its information and its intelligence around this emerging space. And that's one of our challenges. The, the space of sustainable finance has been evolving so quickly. And the we had a, a really strong desire to bring something to the market that was contemporary, met the requirements, and was in line with expectations, but those expectations and what is contemporary has been evolving so quickly that we ran the risk of being caught back on the back foot. So having that insight and having that that support as we're teasing out key elements of how we want the framework to hand together, how we want the messaging, how to build on the the, the roadshow became really important. Interested um, from either of you, do you have any sort of advice or perspectives for, for other organisations, both public and private, that are looking to take the step 
into sustainable finance and, and participating in the transition. I think be really genuine about why you're wanting to do it. If you're just wanting to do it to have the label, then pause because you, it's a lot of work and it actually becomes an ongoing reporting obligation piece. And we've wanted to do it because we want that ongoing reporting. We want that ongoing communication and, and information provision to our investors. And we've wanted to do it because we've, we feel we had a story that this allowed us to showcase in a way that was genuine and informed our investors. But certainly if you just want the label, then you, you, you're going to get caught short. It's very important, I think, as Kayleen mentioned, the, to be genuine and, and it's not just all about um, bringing a label transaction to market. Starting off, organisations really should have a really strong understanding of its own footprint and your sector's transition pathways because uh, there is multiple dynamics at play. And so understanding what that looks like, what are the challenges and how, how your company or organisation will get there. Um, and then I think it's important, really important to talk to your stakeholders. So talk to your shareholders, um, your financiers, your banks, your staff, what's important to them, what's material, what what are they, what's on top of their mind. And then um, and then out of that will come targets and plans, but also then discussion with capital providers like, like ANZ around the financial resources that you're going to need to get there because there is going to be in CapEx an investment required. Um, and as I, I just say, like, this is all a journey we're all in together and, and it, nothing's going to be perfect. Um, and it's just about supporting each other and really so trying to, as a part, leading it as a partnership and, and doing it for the right reasons is how I how I'd look at it. Yeah. So there's a bit of a theme there. We're saying don't, don't strive for being perfect. If we, we strive for being perfect, we'll actually never start. Because yeah. as we said, the market's moving so quickly, expectations are leaving so quickly, and the technology is moving quickly. So what is a, a green type investment now in 10 years' time may very well not be, but doesn't mean you don't do it now as part of the, the building to that that end point. Mm -hmm. And the it's also really coming to the fore that it's not anymore about setting targets. It's actually what's, what's being delivered. We're starting yeah. to do that more and more. So that reporting piece, that sort of, People just want to know that we're on we're on the way, we're on the path, so we're going to get there. That was On Air by ANZ Institutional. Be sure to like, follow or subscribe to hear more. This podcast is intended as thought leadership material. It is not published with the intention of providing any direct or indirect recommendations or to influence any person to make a decision in relation to any financial product or class of financial products. It is general in nature and does not take account of the circumstances of any individual or class of individuals. For further information, please refer to the full disclaimer at institutional.anz.com.